Okay, so today we'll uh, get through chapter 29 of Deuteronomy, where it speaks about the covenant uh, that was made and what are some other conditions uh, of the covenant and what is the consequence when the covenant is broken. And uh, the chapter ends in verse 29 by uh, talking about the difference between secrets uh, that are revealed and secrets that are not yet revealed and what should be our response. So chapters uh, 29 and 30 uh, tend to go together. So we are coming to the end uh, of the book of Deuteronomy and we see uh, the remaining chapters uh, tend to bring uh, everything together uh, again as a way of reminding us of what is expected of us uh, in terms of, of the truth uh, that has been revealed to us uh, through various laws and various uh, regulations. So chapter uh, 29 uh, speaks about the covenant, uh, to review the covenant and also to renew the covenant. And it also considers uh, what is the punishment for breaking the covenant. And when we get to chapter 30, uh, it speaks about the restoration uh, for returning uh, to the covenant. So God could uh, foresee that even though the covenant was made and the people made a commitment uh, to obey the covenant, uh, it was more than likely that they were going to break uh, the terms of the covenant. So God also made a provision for them uh, so that they can come back and be restored uh, when they break the laws. So that is true even today. Uh, we know that God has uh, certain expectations uh, from our life, but oftentimes we are not able to meet those expectations. Uh, but when we come back to the Lord, uh, in the spirit of forgiveness, uh, he is able to forgive and restore. So we'll start with uh, uh, verses 1 through 9, uh, which speaks about the covenant uh, from a historical uh, perspective. So we'll take a look at that. Yeah, maybe someone can read 1 through 9. These are the terms the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab, in addition to the covenant he had made with them at Horeb. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all his land. With your own eyes you saw those great trials, those signs and great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a mind that understands, or eyes that see, or ears that hear. Yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. When you reached this place, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out to fight against us, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites and uh, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. Okay, so again, here we see that Moses uh, is continuing the conversation. And again, this is happening in the land of Moab, as we saw earlier. Uh, in the first few chapters of uh, Deuteronomy. 
And it speaks about the uh, new covenant or the second time the covenant is being renewed uh, in the land of Moab, which is different from the covenant that they received uh, in Horeb. So the terms are the same, but the setting uh, is different. So the earlier covenant that was made at Mount Sinai, uh, which is also known as the Horeb uh, 40 years back, and this one goes back to uh, chapter one where Moses uh, is speaking uh, to the second generation of people who survived uh, the wilderness, which would have been the youth uh, besides uh, Joshua and Caleb. And, and going back to the historical perspective, we read that in Exodus uh, 24, 1 through 8, and we will read that. And it speaks about the covenant uh, which was received from God by Moses. And so God is the one who's uh, giving the covenant. And once he received the covenant, Moses communicated uh, to the people and people responded by saying that we will obey the covenant and the covenant uh, was sealed uh, by blood. So that's an important passage. So we'll just read that quickly. Exodus 24 uh, verses one through eight. Yeah, maybe someone can read. And he said unto Moses, come upon, come up unto the Lord thou and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye after all. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice, and said, All the words which the Lord hath said will be do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built the altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord had said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the law, behold, the blood of the covenant, which is which the Lord hath made with, with you concerning all these words. Yeah, so this is a good passage to go back and meditate because uh, it speaks about the covenant and how it came about. And we can see clearly that it is God who's communicating to Moses and giving him the instructions. And as we see in the Old Testament, uh, just like the high priest, uh, only Moses was allowed to come near uh, to the Lord, uh, which is different from what we see in the New Testament where all of us have been given access uh, to the Lord. And so Moses receives from the Lord and he comes back and tells the people all the words uh, that he has received uh, from the Lord. And we also see that people make a commitment uh, that they would do uh, everything uh, that the Moses uh, tells them. And as we saw last week, uh, the words are preserved uh, by writing. So that's the writing that is taking place. And then he is building an altar. And in verse six, we see that he takes half the blood, puts it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkles 
uh, on the altar. That again speaks about the covenant that is being made uh, between God and his people. So God is taking a portion of the covenant which speaks about the half of the blood that is sprinkled on the altar. And at the same time, uh, the people are also taking responsibility which speaks about the uh, other half. And we see in verse eight uh, that the covenant uh, is sealed uh, with the blood. So that's what's happening in the covenant, which is received from God and communicated by Moses uh, to people, and it is sealed by the blood. And, and when we get to the New Testament, we again see uh, that in Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood of the new covenant, uh, which is shed for many uh, for the remission of sins. So here we see that Lord Jesus Christ's blood uh, is the complete uh, payment uh, for our sins. It is the complete uh, solution for our sins. Uh, man doesn't have to do anything. So in that sense, uh, it is a covenant of grace. But what we read uh, in Exodus, we see that there is a part uh, that is played by God. And when people obey, uh, they are blessed as we have seen in the recent uh, chapters. And coming back to uh, Deuteronomy 29, uh, we read uh, in verse two, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes uh, in the land of Egypt uh, unto uh, Pharaoh. And it goes on to say unto his servants and unto the Lord. And in verse four, it says, yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive, eyes to see, and ears to hear uh, unto this day. So we know from history that God did uh, great uh, miracles uh, in the life of the nation of Israel. Uh, they were in bondage uh, in Egypt for about 400 years. Then God chose Moses uh, to lead the people of Israel uh, from the house of bondage. And he did that by doing uh, miracles and signs uh, throughout that uh, journey. So it begins with the plagues uh, that the Egyptians uh, are confronted with, uh, ending with death. And once they leave uh, Egypt, uh, we see the miracle of the Red Sea parting into two, and they're able to walk on dry ground. And when they are in wilderness, uh, they are sustained, not through human effort, uh, but through uh, manna and water that is provided by God himself for such a large army of people. And before they enter the promised land, we saw that they saw they had uh, resistance uh, from two kings, the kings of Heshbon and Bashan. And God was able to uh, smite those kings and they were able to get those lands uh, even before they entered the promised land. So that is the land that they acquired, uh, which was not really part of the promised land, but they were able to get it even before they entered the land. And verse 5 speaks about how God gave them clothes and sandals which did not wax old, uh, even though they were uh, in the wilderness for 40 years. So all of these are miracles and signs that God did uh, to the people of Israel. But at the same time, despite all of these miracles, uh, we see that uh, the people of Israel, they were always uh, murmuring. They were always uh, questioning God. Uh, they were never able to put their trust uh, completely in God. So, so they could see all of these miracles uh, with their physical eyes, 
but their spiritual lives uh, were not yet uh, opened. So this reminds us that we might be receiving many blessings from God, but we may not be able to see the hand of God uh, through which uh, we are receiving uh, many of the blessings. And unless we see the hand of God, uh, we won't be able to trust God uh, during the next season of life. So as we see in the scriptures, uh, the true understanding of our eyes and ears and a change of heart uh, is a gift uh, from God. So unless the Lord would open our eyes and our ears and give us a new heart, uh, we really cannot perceive uh, the ways of the Lord. We really cannot perceive the spiritual blessings uh, in our life. So as we read in Ezekiel 36, uh, 26 to 28, uh, it says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will make take away the stony heart uh, out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit uh, within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them, and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. So that was uh, God's uh, original intent. Uh, he wanted to create a people for himself, uh, the chosen generation, but the change uh, will not take place uh, unless they receive a new heart and a new spirit. And the spirit that is put uh, within us uh, allows us to obey or continually walk in the ways of God. So when we say that we are born again, uh, we are blessed with a new heart and a new spirit. And it is the spirit that is living within us that helps us to continue to uh, enjoy the walk uh, with the Lord. And, and in Ephesians 2.1, again, it reminds us that you had a quickened who were dread in trespasses and sins. So here the point is, uh, unless the Lord changes our heart, uh, we really cannot see, even though uh, great things might be happening in our life. So we need to ask ourselves, uh, are we able to see the hand of God uh, in our lives? Uh, we might be going through good times. Uh, we might be going through bad times. But no matter what the season of life is, uh, we should be able to see the hand of God who controls uh, every moment of our life, who controls uh, every season of our life. But oftentimes uh, during times of crisis, uh, just like the people of Israel, we tend to forget and we tend to murmur. We forget all the great things uh, that the Lord has done. And we start questioning uh, the ways of God. We start questioning uh, God's favor in our life. And that was the reminder uh, to the people of Israel that you should not only be able to see the miracles, but you should also be able to make the connection that it is God who's working through those miracles. And in verse 9, we, we are reminded that uh, prosperity, uh, in order for the prosperity to continue, uh, there should be continued uh, obedience. So obedience is not, not a one-time thing, but it's a lifetime uh, Think for a believer. So verse 9 says, Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them, that ye may prosper in all that ye do. So that is the emphasis in the book of Deuteronomy, 
that the covenant has been given uh, to the people of Israel and what is expected of them is the obedience and it is the obedience uh, that would lead to blessing. And as we come to the New Testament, the uh, expectation is the same. Uh, salvation might be is a one-time experience, but God expects us to obey throughout our lifetime, uh, obey the word that is given to us, and that is how we would experience God's blessing uh, in our life. And in verse uh, 10 through 15, uh, we see the renewing uh, of the covenant. So we can read 10 through 15. Yeah. Thank you are standing today in the presence of the Lord, your God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials, and all the other men of Israel, together with your children and your wives, and the foreigners living in your camps who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as his people, that he may be your God as he promised you and as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I am making this covenant with its oath, not only with you, who are standing here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God, but also with those who are not here today. Yeah, okay, so these verses uh, speak uh, about the covenant and what we understand uh, from this passage uh, is that the covenant uh, that is being renewed and the covenant is nothing but uh, all that we have been learning uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, all the laws and everything else that Moses has taught them. And that is the covenant uh, that is being renewed. And we see that three things. Uh, firstly, that the covenant uh, is a divine covenant because it is a covenant uh, between God and people. Uh, it is not a covenant that was created by man, but it is a covenant or the word uh, that is given by God uh, to his people, and he wants to bring them uh, into that partnership, uh, into that covenant uh, relationship. And secondly, we see that this covenant is uh, inclusive. Uh, it includes uh, everyone, uh, like we see a list in verses 10 and 11. It includes the captains, the elders, the officers, all men, little ones, wives, and even uh, strangers. And in verse uh, 14 and 15, reminds us that thirdly, uh, this covenant is uh, intergenerational or it will continue from one generation uh, to the next. So it not only includes uh, those people who are present uh, at that time, but it also includes the children who would be born uh, in the days to come or even those who are not physically present uh, at that time. So that is the covenant uh, that is being renewed. Uh, it is divine, uh, it is inclusive, and it is also intergenerational. And the purpose uh, for this covenant, uh, as we saw even with the covenant in Mount Sinai, God wanted to uh, form a people unto himself. He wanted to create that chosen uh, generation uh, who would be separated uh, from this world, who would be distinct uh, from this world. And the way we are distinct uh, is through a life of holiness, which separates us uh, from this world. 
And by renewing the covenant, uh, he God is also fulfilling the promise uh, that he made to the forefathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in verses uh, 16 through 20, we see the conditions uh, of the covenant. Yeah, you can read that. You yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way here. You saw among them their detestable images and idols of wood and stone, uh, stone of silver and gold. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath and they invoke a blessing on themselves thinking, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way. They will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. The Lord will never be willing to forgive them. His wrath and zeal will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will fall on them, and the Lord will blot out their names from under heaven. Yeah, so this is a very uh, strong warning that is given to the nation of Israel. And more importantly, it's a warning that is given to each uh, person that God is going to judge uh, each person uh, individually based on their actions. So we know from the scriptures that uh, even though uh, we may be judged as a group, but at the same time, uh, we are also judged individually and we are accountable for our actions uh, one at a time. So the main uh, condition of the covenant uh, we, we see is that God tells them very clearly that they should not be tempted uh, by the idolatry of other nations or the uh, images, uh, worshipping images and other practices of other nations. They should remain uh, faithful to God and worship uh, him alone. And we are also told uh, what are some of the consequences of idolatry or drifting away uh, and worshipping other gods and living in the illusion and imaginations uh, of the heart. So oftentimes we may drift away and do things uh, based on what we think is right, based on the imaginations of the heart, thinking that God is not going to notice or God is God will be silent. But this passage uh, reminds us that God is God sees uh, everything and he is going to bring uh, everything uh, to judgment. And sin, uh, when we let sin uh, rule our life, uh, it will take root. And at the end, uh, sin produces uh, poison. And at the very end, we know that the sin will produce death. Uh, it will separate us uh, from God uh, forever. So that is the image that is given to us, that uh, idolatry will uh, create poison or generate poison as it takes root. And sin will not go unpunished uh, at an individual level or as a nation. And when we disobey God, it will be followed by curses uh, that we saw last week. And it also says that your name uh, would be blotted out. Okay, so, okay, in uh, verses 21 to 28, uh, as we come to the end, uh, it speaks about the punishment uh, for breaking the covenant and what is the purpose of uh, judgment. 
the Lord will single them out from all the tribes of Israel for disaster according to all the causes of the covenant written in this book of the law. Your children who follow you in later generations and the foreigners who come from distant lands will see the calam calamities that have fallen on the land and the diseases with which the Lord has afflicted it. The whole land will be a burning waste of salt and sulfur. Nothing planted, nothing sprouting, no vegetation growing on it. It will be like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in a fierce anger. All the nations will ask, why has the Lord done this to this land? Why this fierce burning anger? And the answer will be, it is because this people abandoned the covenant of the Lord and the God of their ancestors, the covenant he made with them when he brought them out of Egypt. They went off and worshipped other gods and bowed down to them. Gods they did not, not know. Gods he had not given them. Therefore, the Lord's anger burned against this land so that he brought on it all the curses written in this book. In furious anger and in great wrath, the Lord uprooted them from their land and thrust them into another land as it is now. Yeah. Okay, so this section uh, speaks about the consequences of serving other gods or going into idolatry, uh, which they were warned uh, against. And it tells them what will happen to them. And as we look at history, again, all of these uh, came true. Uh, the people of Israel, <clears throat> they were judged, uh, they were, they lost their land, they went into bondage. So all of this happened because they were not willing uh, to obey the Lord or to uh, pay attention to the warning that was given to them. So as we read in verse uh, 25 and 26, uh, all of the calamities and all the punishment came upon the people of Israel uh, because they forsook uh, the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, uh, which he made with them when he brought them forth uh, out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them and gods whom they knew not and whom he had not uh, given unto them. So we know that our God uh, is a jealous God. And we also know that our God is a God of justice. So when we uh, forsake uh, God's covenant, when we go against God's will uh, in our life, uh, we know that there would be a chastisement, uh, there would be a consequence uh, of our bad uh, decisions. So the purpose of judgment, uh, as we see, uh, is to demonstrate that God is just uh, and fair. So just like he judged uh, the people of Egypt uh, when they kept, kept Israel under bondage, we see that God is using the same uh, metrics. Uh, he is using the same uh, principle. When people disobey, uh, they invite the wrath or the judgment of God. And we also see that just like the blessings were seen by all the nations, just like the nations were able to see that the people of Israel were blessed, uh, in the same way, the judgment is also exercised uh, publicly for all to see. So God is not going to hide uh, the judgment. God is not going to hide 
the bad chapters uh, in the life of people of Israel. Uh, he is not only highlighting the blessings, but he's also exposing them uh, to the judgment that they are going through. So that is uh, relevant for us. Uh, when we are being blessed, uh, the people of uh, people would be able to see the blessings uh, in the same way when God's judgment is upon our life. Uh, even that uh, people will be able to see, uh, which is a source of shame, which would be a source of regret for us. So in verse uh, chapter 28 and verse 10, uh, we see the blessing. It says, and all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of, of thee. So the nations were afraid of people of Israel because they knew that God was uh, with them, and that was a time of blessing in their life. But when people of Israel fell into idolatry, uh, fell into disobedience, we see that, uh, again, that uh, all the people were able to see that the nation was being cursed, or it was under the judgment of God. So we read that in uh, chapter 28, 37, and thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all the nations where the Lord shall lead thee. And thirdly, uh, the judgment, uh, it also serves as a warning to others uh, of God's uh, fierce uh, judgment. And as we read in verse, uh, verses 24 to 28, uh, even the heathen, uh, they will understand that it is God who is behind uh, all of these uh, punishments and all of this uh, destruction and all of the barrenness uh, that they see uh, in the land. So that's, again, a strong verse that we read from 24 to 28. Even all nations uh, shall say, wherefore had the Lord done thus unto this land? What, what meaneth the heat? Uh, of this great anger. So the other nations, <clears throat> uh, they may not follow God, but we see that uh, in times of calamity, uh, they are able to make the connection that the people of Israel are being judged uh, because they went uh, against the hand of God. So that's what we read in verses uh, 24 to 28. As we read in 25, it says, then men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. And verse 27, the anger of the Lord is kindled against this land to bring upon it uh, all the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out. Uh, so we know that the people of Israel were uprooted from their promised land and they were dispersed they were scattered. Uh, even today, they are scattered, but a day will come when God will bring them. And we see that they were subject uh, to the same kind of uh, judgment as the Egyptians uh, in terms of sickness and plague and so on. And coming to the last verse, which is verse uh, 29, uh, it speaks about uh, revelation and responsibility. So verse 29 says, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things uh, which are revealed uh, belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words uh, of this law. So as we read the scriptures, we see that we can understand the mind of God, we can understand the uh, hand of God, we can understand 
many attributes of God, but still we don't fully understand what God is doing. There are many things that we do not we don't understand, despite having all these books uh, in the Bible. But whatever is revealed uh, to us uh, belongs to us and to our children. So the word of God uh, endureth forever. And that is why it needs to be passed on from one generation uh, to the next. Uh, even as we read in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, uh, 6 to 9, that we need to teach our children uh, from the word of God. And the word of God should be uh, ever uh, present uh, in our lives. And we are also responsible for the truth uh, that is revealed to us uh, through the scriptures. So any revelation that the Lord gives us, uh, we are responsible for that. Uh, as we read in James uh, 4.17, Therefore to him who knoweth uh, to do good and doeth it not, uh, to him uh, it is sin. The other way of looking at it is that uh, anything that is shown to us, uh, we are responsible. And if we don't do it, uh, it would be sin. And we know that sin has a consequence of judgment of God or chastisement of God or loss of blessings uh, in our life. So when we are reading the word of God, the way it is given to us, uh, we are responsible for what we are reading. We are responsible for what the Lord is uh, teaching us and revealing through the word. And when we don't do it, uh, it is a sin and that would have a consequence. At the same time, verse uh, 29 also tells us that God doesn't uh, reveal uh, everything. So we shouldn't try to figure out uh, everything or we should not go beyond the scriptures to try to understand the mind of God or to try to understand uh, what is not written. So oftentimes people get into uh, all kinds of debates uh, trying to figure out uh, God's ways, uh, even though it's not explicitly stated uh, in the scriptures. So that would be a waste of time because God's ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. And if you are trying to understand something uh, that is not revealed uh, in the scriptures, then it is easy to make uh, mistakes. Uh, it's easy to go astray. Uh, it's easy to create uh, confusion uh, in our mind and in the minds of others. So we know that many uh, mysteries are revealed uh, in the scriptures. Uh, including the mystery of the Holy Spirit uh, living within us. But at the same time, there are many mysteries uh, that are not yet uh, fully known, uh, such as the timing of rapture. Uh, as we read in Revelation 22:20, 20, uh, surely I come quickly. So we know that Lord Jesus Christ uh, is going to return uh, one day. So that is a fact that he would uh, return. It is also a fact that he would return uh, quickly, and that is based on the understanding that all of us have a limited time uh, in this world. So from our, our perspective, uh, he is going to come uh, quickly, uh, whether it's in 60 years, 70 years, or 80 years, which means uh, we need to make a decision for Christ uh, in our lifetime. So in that sense, the time is short. So even though Lord Jesus Christ has not returned yet, but from an individual person's uh, standpoint, 
uh, he's coming quickly because you have to make a decision uh, before you die. But at the same time, the timing of rapture uh, is not known. Uh, so people who preach that he's going to come at a certain time or a certain date or a certain year, then obviously they are false prophets because it is not revealed uh, in the scriptures. And Paul writing in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 12 says, for now we see <clears throat> through a glass uh, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall I know even as also I am known. So there are many things that are mysterious to us. And as Paul says, uh, we are only given a glimpse of God. We are still seeing through a glass darkly, uh, but a day will come when we will see the Lord uh, face to face and all the questions that we have will be settled and all the mystery would be taken away. But until then, uh, we just have to remain uh, faithful uh, the truth to the truth uh, that has been revealed to us. And we should be looking forward uh, to the second coming of Christ. And we should be preparing ourselves by committing our life to him. So that's uh, chapter 29. <clears throat> which uh, uh, reviews the covenant uh, that was given uh, in the plains of Moab, which is the teachings of the book of Deuteronomy. And the Lord reminds them that there are many miracles and many signs that were shown to the first uh, generation, but they were not uh, able to see the hand of God. They were not able to trust in God, despite all the miracles and all the signs. And in verses 10 through 19, we saw that the parties uh, to the renewed uh, covenant, uh, it included everyone. Uh, it was a divine covenant. Uh, it was an inclusive covenant. And it was a covenant that will continue from one generation to the next. And in verses uh, 20 to 28, we saw that uh, if you break the covenant, which is essentially uh, going after other gods, uh, worshipping uh, strange gods, uh, that will bring the wrath uh, of God uh, in the life of the people, and they would see the same kind of uh, destruction uh, that they saw among the other nations whom God judged for their disobedience. And the chapter ended with the different distinction between what is revealed and what is still a secret. So whatever is revealed, uh, we should be obedient to that. And what is not yet revealed, uh, we should not uh, try to use our knowledge or use our understanding uh, to trying to read the mind of God.